So Money Episode 476, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. It is Friday, so we're all about you today, answering your money questions. And just want to say thank you to everybody for supporting the show. It's been a really overwhelming week of support and good news. And whether it's someone left a nice, kind review on iTunes for the show or the big win of the week, which if you were listening last Friday, I was very skeptical of this. But in fact, we won so money was voted number one personal finance podcast. It won the Plutus Award at FinCon. I was just not expecting this at all. I was sitting at home watching TV when I got the text message from my friend who was in the awards uh, in the awards hall, and she was like, "You won!" I just I couldn't believe it. So it doesn't really feel real to me. I was in a category with some incredible podcasters. Joe Saul Sihai from Stacking Benjamins, Paula Pant, Afford Anything. And I just feel lucky to have been nominated. And this award I share with all fellow uh, financial podcasters out there because um, we, we keep each other motivated. We keep each other inspired. We keep each other competitive. And it's just a really um, incredible community. So for that, I'm also thankful. And um, I'm also thankful that I got a call this week, Sophia, from the Today Show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sophia, welcome to So Money, my um, trusted assistant. <laughs> Sophia is my my everything when I'm not <laughs> like f- physically there. She is behind the scenes um, banging away. But I think uh, it was nice to make another visit to the Today Show. It's, it had been quite a while. Yeah. Um, with the Olympics and the election, it's, you know, doing financial coverage, personal financial segments there are uh, hard to pitch. Um, so we've been pitching. And um, <laughs> of course, as it always happens, they don't take any of our pitches. They come to us with what they want, which is totally fine. And this week, we got a chance to revisit the family there and do a great segment on answering your money questions. So hoping that that will become uh, more of a of a go-to in the coming weeks and months. I always like going to the Today Show and high-fiving Al Roker. That's always fun. <laughs> what else? Uh, kind of a big deal. Our podcast hit 3 million downloads this week. It kind of crept up on us, but here we are, 3 million downloads later. Couldn't do this without all of you. So thank you to everyone listening and everyone who um, has been with us from the beginning, the middle, the end. Well, not the end. The uh, <laughs> Lately, <laughs> we really appreciate your support. Just know that uh, this show would not be possible without your listenership. So we really appreciate you. And 3 million downloads, I don't even know how to quantify that in my head. It's a lot. <laughs> it is. It is a lot. It's a lot. And to think that we started, you know, in January 2015, the first episode that aired was Tony Robbins. And I thought, I'm going to let this loose and sit back and get all these people listening to my show. And I'm going to win an Emmy for my podcast. And there's not a podcast category, but someday there should be. And like it was crickets. So the anyone out there who's you know, wondering how to create a successful podcast. The trick is consistency, patience, 
and constant engagement with your audience. You know, from you guys, we've learned that it's better to slow down a little bit. We we started with seven episodes. Now we're at three per week. We're varying up the questions. We're also dedicating a whole episode every week to you. And I think if we hadn't been doing that, we wouldn't have such a a sense of, you know, where to take this show. And so we feel blessed that you guys have given us a lot of direction over the last year and a half to two years. It's almost going to be two years in January. That's my so many news of the week, Sophia. You and I also went to Ad Week this week. We did. Week, and um, <laughs> it was pretty cool. I, we, I moderated a panel. Sophia helped coordinate it. And it was about women in business and blazing the trail and Nicole Richie was on the panel, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that was really cool. She is not to be underestimated, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, no, not at all. I feel like she's a firecracker. Yeah, she's really smart and she knows what she wants. She seems to have a real great handle on her personal life and her professional life and has very clear vision of like who she is and what she will do and won't do. And I was really impressed with that because, you know, we were first introduced to her via paparazzi and TMZ and like Paris Hilton. And so <laughs> she's come a long way. And she was, has. And she's very involved in her business. That, that was very apparent when she was speaking to the, to the yes. audience. And she's not one of those celebrities that just slaps her name on a brand no. or a product and calls it a day. And then um, has nothing to do with the development or the execution or the ideation. She's very hands-on, which I really respect. I do too. And that was like the guests that we had this week, Jillian Michaels. She also said that in her interview, how you really have to, you can't micromanage, but you do have to control every aspect of your business if you want to be able to deliver on your promises. Indeed. And Jillian Michaels, thanks for reminding us. That was our Monday episode. So if you didn't hear Jillian, listen to also why she would never have taken this particular $8 million deal that a colleague took while she was doing The Biggest Loser, which she calls like one of her worst experiences, (laughs) The Biggest Loser. Uh, But it also kind of made her career. So she's sort of like, you know, you got to love, hate it. Uh, So check out Jillian Michaels from the Monday episode if you hadn't yet. All right, let's let's go to the questions. Let's not waste any more time. Who is (laughs) who's reaching out and what's their question? Okay, so Kristen is writing in with our first question today, and she says that recently she's been hearing a lot about the Federal Reserve's and how the Federal Reserve's fund rate is going to increase, quote unquote, any day now for over a year. But she wants to know if and when it does, how will that ultimately affect her investment options and where should she think about reallocating her funds? Hmm. There is a lot of chatter around raising the inter- the Fed funds rate, which is the overnight bank lending rate. There is a trickle down effect to that. It impacts uh, a lot of our loan interest rates, credit cards, uh, student loans potentially, but it is a trickle down effect and it's a slow trickle. And from what I understand, the Fed, even though there is this chatter about raising rates, it's not like they're going to raise rates dramatically all of a sudden. It will be gradual. We don't have to worry too much about seismic changes in the interest rate environment. But it's a good question. You know, How does this impact our portfolios? We talk a lot about how interest rates impact our, our credit portfolios. If you've got a student loan or a credit card or thinking about opening a credit card or a mortgage, potentially you might be facing higher rates there. But with your portfolio, you know, there, I wouldn't make any knee-jerk 
moves. And this show, obviously, we don't talk about specific investment moves or investment strategy, but one of the realities of interest rates and bond prices, which a lot of our portfolios, we do have bonds and we should because that's a good diversified portfolio. You've got stocks, you've got bonds. The um, relationship between interest rates and bonds is an inverse relationship. So when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. When interest rates go down, bond prices go up. So in the scenario of an interest rate hike, you might see bond prices go down. If you're already locked into bonds or bond funds, you're not going to probably see any difference because you're locked into that price. Um, it's just when you go to sell them, if the environment has changed, then you might face some uh, difficulty selling. But it's nothing where you have to start looking at um, really moving money around. I mean, look, when people, when we're in a stock market where there is jitter, fear, uncertainty, inflation, people might move to certain safe havens, right? We talked about how gold is sometimes a safe haven. There's also TIPS, which are treasury inflation protected securities. Overall, I don't really see a need to really move a ton of money around in your portfolio in in a high interest rate environment or low interest rate environment. You're looking at your portfolio as a long-term vehicle. It is a vehicle that's going to carry you through decades. So don't get too wound up about rising interest rates. I think it's more of, we see more of the immediate impact in things like credit card rates, potentially mortgages, but even with mortgages, sometimes it's not a very fast correlation. Just keep an eye on interest rates. It's good to stay informed. But thanks for your question. Our next question comes with quite a bit of math, so I've trimmed it down a little bit. But it comes from Karen, and she's getting a bonus and wants to know if she should pay off her loans or invest. As some background, she has about 62000 in student loans at a 5.25% fixed rate. And she could pay them off all next year, but she's considering refinancing through a public service program which offers loan forgiveness after 10 years. And by running the numbers, she thinks investing now will net much more in 10 years than if she were to just pay off all of the loans at this moment. Yeah. And I would say, Karen, you're probably going to want to keep that money for longer than 10 years invested. I'm not sure how old she is, but I, I have a feeling she's not 50 because she's still handling student loans. It sounds like maybe in your 20s or 30s. And if you're looking to invest in the long run, I like a horizon that's, you know, a 30-year horizon for someone in your demographic, in your age group. And so by then, certainly, you would think based on historical returns, you'll have a better rate of return than um, 5.25%. And if you're already in this federal program with this option to forgive your loans after, I think, 10 years, that's a pretty great perk. So stick with that. And I think if you've done the math and you run the numbers and you think that you're going to end up, you're going to net more uh, percentage-wise by investing that money, certainly do that. So I'm, I'm with you, Karen. Good, good math. <laughs> good judgment. <laughs> Jumping to our next question. It's from Andrew. His brother has $9,000 in debt, split up on six different credit cards. 
and he currently makes 2300 a month and his expenses are around 1700 and he's also headed back to school and will need about $3,000 each semester to cover the cost. With his income, it just seems impossible for him to pay off this debt right now. So Andrew wants to know if he should recommend a debt consolidation company to his brother. And if not that, then maybe what else you might suggest? Uh, no to the debt consolidation company. I'm not really a fan of debt sort of settlement consolidation companies. They sometimes charge you fees. They make false promises. This is generally speaking. And so I don't really know of any that I would could really recommend. I do like the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, and that is a nonprofit. They are not debt settlers. They're a debt management program. It's a national organization. They have local branches. The first meeting is free, and they just want to look at your basic financial situation, your income, your debt, your savings, your credit obligations, et cetera. And from there, they'll give you an honest assessment of what the next steps for you should be. Maybe they just give you a budget plan or they'll say, you know what? You're right. $9,000 on six credit cards, making $2,300 a month. Plus now you're going into school and you're going to get into some more debt. I think you should go into a debt management program, which they offer. It's a nominal monthly fee. It could be like $10, $15 a month, which you can also waive if you're if you're really broke. But the goal is not to get you out of debt quickly. It's more to look at your credit profile and see how can we make this simpler and easier and more streamlined for you. And they will also help to work on your behalf, speak with your creditors, help to modify some of the debt, whether it's reducing the interest rates, eliminating the fees so that you can um, make these payments more affordably every month. So that's the nfcc.org. That's their website. Check them out. At the same time, Andrew would want to say to your brother that that he should take some of this responsibility with $9,000 on six credit cards, making $2,300 a month. Yeah, the math is going to net you negative here, but is there a way for him to start making extra money on the side? What is his job? I don't know. But does he have free time on the weekends, evenings? And I know school starting, but how soon? I mean, if he's got like a whole few months to go before school starts, maximize those few months, even if it's just a few weeks, to bring in some extra income to, to help pay for some of that, uh, that credit card debt. And um, we talk about this a lot in the show. I mean, sometimes your income is just simply not enough. Your one income stream is not enough. So what are you going to do? You're going to go into bankruptcy? Of course not. You're going to use your wherewithal, your skills, your resources, the internet to find some fast gigs and and not care that it doesn't match the fact that you have a master's in you know, sociology. Maybe you will dog sit for a few days a week. You know, maybe you will rent out your bicycle. Maybe you will babysit. Maybe you will um, sell some jewelry on the side because your financial well-being is on the line here. And it will feel wonderful to have a sense of accountability for that in a way where you're actually making the extra money to pay it down. It's extremely empowering. I've gone through it. Many of our listeners have gone through it. So I know it seems like an overwhelming bit of advice given that he's starting school and he's got the debt and he's got the job. But I would really like for him to own up to this and get the help that he needs, but also try to help himself too. So that's what I would say about that. 
Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. All right. I think our next question is very interesting. It comes from Elise and she discovered you after tuning into Girl Boss Radio and now she's an everyday listener oh, to our podcast. Cool. I know. Elise. We've gotten a lot of, of listeners from that Girl Boss Radio Thank podcast. you, Sophia Amoruso. <laughs> My gosh, what a what a great decision that was to go on her <laughs> podcast. Um, so Elise is 26 and she's working in tech, making an excellent salary of 100000 And her parents' financial advisor offered to help set her up with a Roth IRA, quote unquote, for free. And since he manages the account for her, it's not really for free. A few times he's done some weird things that she's not really comfortable with, like he CC'd all of his clients on the same email. And she just wants to know if she has the option to move her money because she wants to know if this is something that she can ultimately just manage on her own. She can definitely do this on her own and she can definitely move her money. And I hope she will because this guy sounds like a shyster. Okay, I'm sorry. I opened up a Roth IRA when I was 15 at my local credit union and I still have it and the money's been growing and I haven't really been touching it. This is not a high maintenance account. It's not a brokerage account with various investment categories and assets. And even then, there are a lot of easier ways and more um, efficient ways, financially efficient ways to have the, those accounts through uh, robo-advisors and online investment platforms. So I, I, you know, I, I was maybe a little mean about this guy. I just think that <laughs> it's not necessary, Elise. You know, I think that if you want to break up with him, if in your kind of like, what do I do now? It's awkward. He's my parents' friend. I think you just say that you want to streamline your finances and you want to be more in control of your own money. And so you've decided to move your Roth IRA, transfer it, roll it over into another Roth IRA at your local bank or something like that. And uh, you can definitely move this money. And at the very least, you can detach him from managing the account. So I broke up with my financial advisor earlier this year, not for any bad reasons. I just, like you, I kind of wanted more, um, I wanted to be more in charge. And frankly, I felt that the fees that I was paying we're not being justified. Uh, nothing against her, but it was just um, we had benefited so much from their practice for the first few years of our uh, of our relationship there. But at this point, it was kind of we were on cruise control, and I was still paying these fees. So I broke it off with her, but I kept my money in the same accounts at 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 the bank, um, and so and I was now the primary. Well, I was always the primary person, but now I don't have this other person that's kind of going in there and 
doing the paperwork for me. And that's really all it was, you know, and maybe moving some money around occasionally. So you can definitely take control of this situation. You can always take control of your own money. Never doubt that. And if you're ever in a situation where someone tells you you can't, they're wrong. This is your money. And that's the bottom line. So if you feel this is not a good situation for you for it sounds like a few reasons, he seems like you don't, you don't like his style. You also want to save money. You also want to have more control over your money. Yes to all of that. Go for it. Do it. And don't look back. I think that's great advice. You always want to be comfortable too with the people who are helping you manage your money at the very least. Right. So if you do decide that you want people to help you out at the very least, you want to know that you can trust them and you're comfortable with everything that they're doing. I mean, so. that's, you're right. That's 80% of it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> it that, be, that might be all of it because to be, to, to be honest, um, and I even had financial advisors on this show tell me that picking stocks is like throwing darts. No one has the formula. No one has the secret. If anyone is able to give you make money in your portfolio, they were lucky that year. You first and foremost want to make sure that you feel like you're in good hands. You trust this person. You like this person. They get you. And if you're not feeling it, then you can move on. And and honestly, don't feel bad. Financial advisors are in the business of seeing clients come and go, and it just is part of the business. So, and you're young. You know, you don't really need to be paying someone. To manage your Roth IRA, no way. <laughs> All right. So we have a comment from our next listener, Carla. A good comment and or a bad comment? I'm not in the mood for a bad no, comment. No, it's, it's a good one. Okay. <laughs> she said she just wanted to share with you that she cut her cable a few days after you announced that you cut yours. Yay. And she says it's one of the best decisions of her life. And thank you so much for being her mentor. Oh, well, I'm glad. It, I hope it wasn't the best decision of her life. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of decisions that you should make that hopefully are more important. But for us, it's worked out. Certainly, there are my. I have moments you know, uh, but even the other night when I wanted to watch the the debates, I was like, "What are we gonna do? Do we have to go to a bar and watch the debates?" And and, and luckily, no, because we have an Apple TV and we have Wi Fi, obviously. So we downloaded the Twitter app on Apple TV, and through the Twitter app, we were able to stream live the debates. And it it just it looked like real, like cable. It didn't look like you know some hokey internet hookup. So I'm glad it's working out for you. And there's this is the thing about not having cable. There's always a workaround. Always. Definitely. Always. Sometimes the workaround is not free, but it is less than paying the hundred plus dollars a month for cable. So Agreed. I love my Real Housewives of New York. Okay. <laughs> and there was no way for me to access the, the season. There are some episodes online but if I wanted the whole season plus the reunion, I mean, that's like all you want. That's really what you wait for. The two reunion episodes, I did pay for that. You know, it was like $12.99 or something. If I had cable and this was the only thing I was watching, you can do the math. It wouldn't have been worth it. But I figured I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll splurge for, uh, <laughs> for the Real Housewives. And so some of them have made appearances on So Money. <laughs> no, I think that's so smart because I was talking about it with someone the other day. And we were thinking to ourselves, I literally watch the same five channels mm -hmm. and that's it. You know, it's not like I'm actually, you know, I don't feel, especially now with Netflix and Hulu and all these other platforms, are you really, you know, on a Saturday night kind of surfing the channels now trying to see what movies on? No, most of the time now you have options. You can go on Netflix and find a movie that you want to watch or you haven't seen yet. So 
I think cable is really starting. I don't know. I think we'll start to see a time when it's definitely not that popular anymore. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what happens to the industry in the next just three to five years because um, the options for people to access content, really great, really great uh, shows and programming um, through things like Hulu and uh, you know Netflix is like, what do you need cable for? You can actually get a little attack, like a antenna. I heard so you can get your primary channels, the the W, the NBC, the CBS. So you know, with election night, I'm thinking I'm going to need something, but then maybe I can stream it live again on Twitter. I'm sure. I think especially with the election right now, it's such an important moment in, in our nation's history. I think they're really trying to make it so that regardless of your socioeconomic, you know, class that you have access to being able to see the news and the debates in real time so that you can be educated in what's happening with our country. So hopefully, I'm hoping that they'll make it readily available to the public because I think that would be smart. The democracy is democratizing content. (laughs) It's a revolutionary idea. Uh, Okay. (laughs) We have some more questions. Yeah. Well, one, one left and it's from Sheena. She says she has a steady job with a decent salary that pays her bills, but it's not enough to save. And ultimately she wants to start her own business. She said her rent is about to go up and she doesn't, and if she doesn't rent her apartment, then her landlord is planning on just selling it. And so she's considered maybe even purchasing it herself. But she says she does have about $150,000 of debt with her student loans, credit cards, and car loans. And she doesn't have savings because she's been helping her parents. So she just wants to know where she should start with all of these yeah. so, aspirations. Uh-huh. $150,000 in debt. You're not ready to buy a home. Gina, sorry. I would never wish that for you at this stage because that would just make you more miserable. Um, You want to become a homeowner when you have a clean financial slate. You're prepared for the unexpected expenses of homeownership. So that means you have savings, which you don't have. So while you're taking care of your parents, could you live with them? I mean, that's not sexy or fun when you're a young single person, but a friend of mine is is going to do this. He has um, been seriously thinking about going back to live with his parents, maybe working remotely from with his job. And the purpose of it is to ma- basically wipe off his student loans. He just feels like if he can do that, it's a year. It's not going to be like the funnest. He'll have to not be close to his friends. But you know what? He's just looking long-term. This is going to help me get ahead leaps and bounds in my future, if I can just make this commitment to not have to have to worry about rent for a year. And then of course, you're at your parents' house. So there's free laundry. Maybe they'll make you some dinners. Like y'all share the electricity. So it's it's considerably less out of pocket to live with family. And I don't know if this is something that's available to you, Tina, but I would definitely look into it because I'm just, I can't get over the 150K in debt. You don't have savings and your rent's going up. So maybe the universe is telling you, you need to find an alternative place to live. And what better place to live than somewhere that's free and hospitable, but mom and dad's house and they need your help and you need to be there with them. So this is like, could this, could this be the perfect storm? I, I don't know, but I think, um, some, something's got to give here. I think at this pace of trying to pay down debt, not making enough, 
helping your parents, your rent's going up, like there ha- there's this this is the this is too much. You're going to you're going to have a breakdown. And if you're not I am, I'm going to have a breakdown. So, do yourself a favor, look for a alternative accommodations is going to save you considerably something that's either with your parents or close to them because I can't imagine either you making this commute all the time to help your parents if this is something that is urgent and needs your attention. So that plus maybe too, like I gave the advice to to Andrew for his brother, look for ways to make extra money on the side. I know you want to start a business, but the first thing you want to take care of is your savings. It's not ideal to start a business when you've got a lot of debt and no savings. You need runway, as we've learned on the show, that financial runway is really what the smartest business owners start out with so that they can, while you're starting this business, take calculated risks with confidence. You're going to have to take risks when you start a business. You're going to have to accept failure, financial failure sometimes. But if you've got a cushion, you've got a security blanket, that's going to make all the difference in your ability to succeed ultimately. So first things first, find a new place to live that's a lot cheaper, look to make a little bit of extra money, knock out that debt, and start to rebuild savings either through additional income that's coming in from a side gig or just save every penny of your tax refund, whatever you can to get a little bit of a rainy day account going for yourself. Time to take care of China, right? I agree. I was talking to a girlfriend this past weekend and she um, she's a babysitter on the side in addition to working full time. And she was saying to me, the family that she babysits for was out of town in most of August and through the beginning of September. And she was like, I didn't realize till the family came back how much that money makes such, she's like, it's only a couple extra hundred dollars a month, but it makes such a huge difference in my, with my personal finances. Like I can maybe treat myself to dinner. I can maybe put extra aside and savings this month. She was like, it just is, is so helpful. So I think the side hustle is, I mean, there's a lot to be said about, about the side hustle. It's all about the side hustle. You're (laughs) right. And a couple hundred dollars is revolutionary when you can, if it can help you just experience life a little bit more and relieve some of your stress. You know, I think in hearing her question, I I sense a lot of stress, you know, it's a stressful situation. Yeah, money doesn't cure everything, but I think if she has more money to work with and to put towards the debt or help build savings or just she's going to be taking care of her parents and working, she's going to want moments for herself to escape, get a massage, get your nails done, you know, buy yourself a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) You should you should take care of yourself. And if you're working hard, your money should go to work, not just to for your obligations like your bills, but also for your well-being. Definitely. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks, Sophia, for compiling these questions and hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Thank you. I'm going to go home and just uh, soak it all up because it's been quite a fun week and um, exciting week for us and uh, looking forward to the remainder of the fall. It's going to be... It's October now, pretty much. Can you believe it? What? I yeah. can't believe it. <laughs> Trick or treat time almost. What do You, you don't do Halloween, right? I'm not a big Halloween fan. (laughs) Yeah, I was super into Halloween. And then I think like I wasn't for like 
in my late twenties, early, and then I had a kid. So now I'm like all about it again. So I gonna- feel like with a kid, it would be so fun. I just, <laughs> I get stressed because like at my age, it's like people either dress inappropriately or they're really <laughs> clever. And so I am just terrible at being clever. You mean you so don't want to be feel- a sexy nurse or a sexy doctor no, or, a sexy no. or a sexy, sexy. I mean, no. it's like, that's, <laughs> that's all there is for the girls style. at the Ricky's uh, <laughs> costume shop. Uh, Evan's going to be a fire truck. Oh, that's so cute. Not a fireman, a fire truck. <laughs> You'll yes. have to take pictures. Stay tuned for the pictures. <laughs> he, We actually got the costume and he's scared of it. He's like, he won't wear it. He's like, I don't understand oh. what this is. It's like a, because it's boxy and it, and it hangs on his shoulders. And I don't, he, so we're trying to ease him into it. Hopefully by October 31st, he'll be, he'll be game. I was going to say, you have a month. You have a yeah. month to get in there. I, I'm not <laughs> optimistic at this point. He's not taking to it. But I think I'm going to have to make like a last minute run to Dwayne Reed and get him like, you know, a 1099 costume, which is what my mom did. I was always like the weirdo. I had the weirdo costume because it was always like a last minute drugstore buy. <laughs> I was Richie Rich one year when I didn't even know who Richie Rich was. <laughs> but I had like the plastic face and... The co- like the plastic costume. And I was like, I just have to, this is my currency because I got to go get candy. So I just <laughs> would wear whatever. And um, I think it was on super discount at the Five and Dime. So that's what I did. And I, and I'm, and I worked and it all worked out. I didn't need therapy. Like I got candy. It was fine. <laughs> It'll all work out. Okay. Uh, I hope your weekend is so money. 